our knees and go to God and give it to him. So let's do that right now. You don't have to get on your knees unless you want to, but we're going to go ahead and bow our heads in a word of prayer. Our Father, we're so grateful, thankful for the blessings that you've given to us. I thank you for each person that's here today. I thank you, Lord, for taking care of Shira and, and helping her to feel a lot better and pray the same for Stephen, that you would heal him, bring him back soon, and the same for Jason. Lord, I ask you to watch over all of us and those who are watching at home on Facebook or YouTube. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your presence. We pray that we might glean from your word today something that will help us to be more like Christ. And we thank you in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and have a seat. And uh, welcome to everyone to First Baptist Church in Coronado. I would appreciate if you would do me a favor. And that is, if you're a first-time guest here, if you would take one of these cards from in front of you in the seat back, and there should be a pin close by also, please fill that out. And if you have any prayer requests, you can put those on the back. If you have any questions, if they're really hard questions, uh, I'll have to get uh, Billy to help me answer them. But yeah, Billy, Billy will help me. That's, that's right. No, or my wife. She'll, she'll answer them too. So, so go ahead and fill these out. And then when you get through, in the very back, you can either give this to us or in the very back, there's a box on the stand right next to the double doors. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings. But guests, you can just put your uh, connection card there. We would love to have a record of your visit. Uh, so I appreciate that. Again, welcome to those who are watching at home on Facebook or YouTube. We hope to see you in person here very, very soon. Today, uh, the message, Jonah Part 5, we're closing down the book of Jonah today, the Lord willing, from the prodigal prophet to the pouting prophet. Uh, learn something about that. Now, Saturday, Monica has something going on. Is that right? This Saturday, Monica, wait, raise your hand so people know who to talk to. She is the most coolest Chulavista police person you're ever going to find anywhere. So Monica Medina. And she, oh, by the way, uh, if any children did not get a Slurpee, she brought in free Slurpee tickets, and I tried to hand them out, but if anybody did not get one, and I know we have a couple right back here that didn't get them, uh, anybody who wants a Slurpee, raise your hand up real high. Uh, Mark, you're, if you have facial hair, you're too old, okay? <laughs> I should have known better, should have qualified it. All right. Anybody else who didn't get a didn't get a Slurpee coupon? I think that leaves about oh, 10 or 12 for me. So that's okay. So there's right behind you. There you go. All right, good deal. Uh, so thank you Monica for bringing those in. Now she has a unique ministry uh, ministering to uh, the senior living homes uh, and convalescent homes and so on, uh, brightening the day of those who maybe would have a pretty dull life otherwise. So this coming Saturday, 11.45 to 2 p.m. at Pacific Point Senior Living. Where's that? In Chula Vista. In Chula Vista? Okay, and I think we have the details in our bulletin. I'm not sure we have the address, but you can look it up if you have Google or Maps or whatever. Um, but bring a mask, and everyone's welcome. And if you, have, if you need more information, you can ask Monica or look in your bulletin. It tells you all about it. Uh, come and be a blessing to some people who need that. Next Sunday... The destruction of Nineveh 2.0. Did you know, after God spared Nineveh, did you know, 100 years later, he destroyed Nineveh? So that's what we're going to find out about from the book of Nahum. I don't often preach from the book of Nahum, but we'll, the Lord willing, next week. Check our bulletin for several Bible studies held throughout the week. One other thing, uh, baby items for Silent Voices Ministry. 
if you could pick up some, some of the items mentioned in the bulletin, any baby items, whether it be diapers or uh, I can't even think, bibs or little sleepers or whatever, that would help moms who, instead of having an abortion, had their babies, uh, then you could go ahead and bring that up here, and uh, we'll get it over. Julie's volunteered to take it over to him. I, I just want to mention this. Uh, how many of you know Stu Headley? Stu Headley was a Pearl Harbor survivor, one of the la- maybe one of the last ones here. Uh, incredible guy. He was on the USS uh, West Virginia that was sunk uh, Pearl Harbor Day, and uh, many of his uh, shipmates were killed in that. Uh, and he was a dynamic Christian witness as well. Had him at my other church, and an incredible guy. A lot of the times we would have him come and do an honor guard type thing, and he, he would speak all over that we w- might not forget what happened uh, on Pearl Harbor Day. So he, he went to be with the Lord. He would have been 100 years old today, or this, this year, but he is 99 and now in the presence of his Savior and his God. So just wanted to mention that. Uh, in the bulletin, I wrote this for your perusal, Racism in America 2021. Racism is defined as prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism by an individual, a community, or institution against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group. Anyone who knows American history knows that our nation's past included the practice of slavery. Africans and Native Americans, previously called Indians, were owned as slaves. There were also indentured servants subject to very hard work for very little reward. Indentured servants included many different ethnic groups. These practices were an abomination and must be condemned by all of us. But today, we're being told that we're responsible for the actions of our ancestors. For example, the propagators of critical race theory would cast all who are white as racists and all who are people of color as victims. Does that mean that a newborn Japanese baby is guilty of Tojo's horrors? Are German children responsible for Hitler's war crimes? Are the citizens of Turkey responsible for the Ottoman forefathers' enslavement of nations? They were Muslims, of course. What about the 3,000 African peoples that practiced slavery in in the past, 3,000 nations? Ezekiel 10.20 says, The child shall not share the guilt of the parent. I am not guilty for something some relative might have done 200 years ago. We are, however, responsible for how we treat others today, regardless of their race or nationality. We are individually accountable, not collectively accountable according to our skin color, but we're accountable by our treatment of others. Coincidentally, my wife and I went to Alpine, I think last week, um, maybe the week before that, and there's there's a couple of favorite places we like to eat. We like to go to Janet's, uh, because it's really good food there and and a lot of it, and then we like to go to what used to be Dickie's Barbecue, but Dickie's was shut down. So we went to Janet's, and they were closed for remodeling or something, and so we went over to Dickie's. It's now Jay's. And a, a little black boy came out and said, we're not open today, but we'll be open tomorrow. I said, well, we'll be there. We, we're, we'll be coming back. We live in uh, South San Diego, but we're coming back. Well, then later on, they were targeted uh, for their race. And, and I'm going to tell you something. Uh, we are going to go back there. It's a drive, but we're going to go back there and support them. Uh, we are responsible for how we treat other people. And I'll say it again. There's really one race. And that's the human race. That's the human race. 
the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love others as we love ourselves. Loving others includes all races, classes, and nationalities. Christianity, in fact, was the one reason was one reason that slavery ended. Christianity trumps CRT any day of the week. So may God bless us and give us an attitude of love toward all of our fellow citizens, regardless of the nationality or race you pray, okay? God bless you. Let's stand. We'll continue to worship the Lord in song this morning.
if all we have is Jesus, we are rich. I'll tell you what. Thank you, praise team, for reminding us of that truth. You may be seated in the congregation and uh, adults, uh, those who will be here for the message after I dismiss the children in just a moment. Uh, Jonah chapter 4, as we conclude the message from the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 4. My wife reminded me <clears throat> that as I was passing out uh, coupons for the Slurpee, you remember a couple of weeks ago I preached on if you get too much change back for, at the bank or at the grocery store, you don't say, well, praise the Lord, I got an extra $10. You, you give it back to the person. And so I was giving out coupons and I tore off two of these 7-Eleven Slurpee coupons for a young man who will not be uh, named right now, who's in the church service right now. And he dutifully gave me one back. So I let him keep it. <clears throat> but that's for mommy, okay? So, uh, but uh, you know what? That's putting into practice the Word of God and the truth of the teaching of the Word of God. So right now, this is when I get a chance, for boys and girls, to be able to give you some thoughts and to be able to share with you. So boys and girls, welcome to First Baptist Church today. This is the very, very, very best place to be on a Sunday morning, every single Sunday morning, and I'm glad to see you. How many of you boys and girls have been watching any of the Olympics? How many of you boys and girls have watched any of the Olympics? Yeah, yeah, and the swimmers, the divers, the weightlifters, the shot putters, the discus throwers, the high jumpers, the... I mean, all the stuff, the wrestlers, the, the soccer teams, the basketball teams, everything <clears throat> that you do, it's incredible. And Facebook has been flooded with all the pictures of people who've won gold medals and silver medals and bronze medals. And, and, and do you watch them when they get excited? And some of them jump up and down. Some of them go around hugging everybody. Others fall on the ground and roll around and scream and shout. Some laugh and some cry. <clears throat> so exciting to watch it. And I love it when the United States of America members win the gold. But guess what, boys and girls? Guess what? <clears throat> We're supposed to be happy for everyone who wins, not just those from the United States of America. Even if they're from another country, we're supposed to be happy for them. Romans chapter 12, verse 15, the Apostle Paul said, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. When someone's happy, we ought to be happy with them and for them, not feel jealous, not be angry at them. When someone's sad, we ought to, we ought to be sad with them. When we lose in baseball, football, soccer, or whatever, we shouldn't be angry and mean, and, and we should be happy. That's called being a good sport. Well, Jonah's problem, Jonah's problem is he should have been glad for all the people in the city of Nineveh who became believers in God, and God spared Nineveh. But instead of being happy, guess what he was? He was mad, and he was sad. Can you imagine that? A whole bunch of people decided to follow God, and the prophet of God was mad and sad. Boys and girls, don't ever be that way. One of my favorite things about Facebook is when someone, an athlete falls or whatever, and another athlete, maybe from another team even, picks them up and helps them get across the finish line. That's what I want you boys and girls to be like. I want you to be boys and girls who will be happy for people are happy and sad when people are sad and that will help others to succeed. That will always, always, always make you a winner with God. So be sure to be that kind 
of a young man and a young woman, okay? God bless you, and you may go to your classes right now up through to the first grade right over here, the second through fifth right over here, and you could be dismissed, and everybody else turn to Jonah chapter 4. Now, <clears throat> we have all of our messages out uh, archived, so you're getting in at the tail end of the book of Jonah, but the first four lessons are online. If you go to Facebook or YouTube, type in First Baptist Church Coronado, then you'll be able to, to see what I'm going to give you a summary of. In Jonah part one, we talked about God calling people to service. God calls people. God calls everyone. To, he gives everyone who becomes a believer some kind of spiritual gift or gifts, and God calls them to service. God cares enough about sinners to send a word of hope, love, and grace to everyone. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. If God uh, were to force people to do what he wanted them to do, he would make them all in, go to heaven uh, and be believers. Finally, no one can hide from God. Uh, Jonah found that out as he kept running from God, trying to get further and further away. God knew where he was all the time. In our second lesson, we learned that the plans of a, 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 of a sovereign God are not easily thwarted by the stubborn will of a puny prophet. So God is a sovereign God. That means he has all power. There's only one omnipotent being anywhere, everywhere, and that's our God, Jehovah God. So we ought to pray like everything depends on God, work like everything depends on us. That was one of the lessons we learned in lesson two. And then Jonah was as dead to the world as he was to God's word, and the pathway from God is always downward. Remember, he went down to Joppa, then he was going to go down to Tarshish, then he went down into the ship, he went down to the sides of the ship, they picked him up, threw him over, he went down into the depths, a sea creature or a, a big fish or some call it a whale, uh, swallowed him up that God had prepared and went down into the very depths of the deepest regions of the ocean. It kept As you get away from God, you keep going downward. The third lesson was we should learn to pray before we get in trouble. Let's pray before we get into the big fish's belly, okay? Let's pray way before that. God disciplines his children. Something else we learned, <clears throat> whom he loves, he chastens. And God will get you where he wants you, the easy way or the hard way. Then last week, we learned that God is sovereign. We learned that lesson again. I know I already said that, but let's just face it. You know, that's a great thing to know. God is a sovereign God. And, and his will will not be denied, and no one is so lost they are hopeless. No one is so lost they are hopeless. Murderers can get saved. Idolaters can get saved. Adulterers can get saved. Thieves and robbers can get saved. Uh, I mean, look, folks, we were, we're all sinners, and the only thing, we're either a lost sinner or a saved sinner based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. So God loves people. Now, what's Jonah's reaction to, you, you know what happened? He went and preached, and the whole city, I mean, from the king all the way down, uh, got converted. They all became believers, and, and they, they all, uh, the king proclaimed a fast and, and dressed in sackcloth and ashes, got down off of his throne and said, nobody's going to eat anything. Not even the cattle are going to eat anything. We're going we're gonna to fast and pray, seeking the face of Almighty God. And so what a revival that was. And so how did Jonah act? And look at Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. What? It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. This, and and the, the Hebrew here means so angry, he trembled with rage. He was trembling. He was, have you ever seen some? Have you ever been so angry? You, you tremble? You just shake and maybe can't even talk right? He, he was so angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, 
I pray you, O Lord, wasn't this my saying? Didn't, didn't I say this when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, which means you give out undeserved favor. I knew that you were merciful, which means he's compassionate on people. I knew you were slow of anger. He was, he was long-suffering. I know that you were a God of great uh, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And I knew that you would repent of the evil. You would be moved to pity. And therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. I just, this blows my mind. Here's a preacher of the word of God. And he gave an invitation. He preached and gave an invitation. And the whole city got saved. Everybody got saved. They're all repenting. They're all praying to God. They're all praising the Lord. And I would think Jonah would be ecstatic. Man, I would. What if we, we had a day and, and Coronado got all together and, and, and we got to preach a message and give an invitation. And everybody in Coronado who was not a Christian came forward and repented and asked God to be their Savior. Wouldn't that be amazing? What if I was sent to, okay, uh, Jim Bays wants you to go to Washington, D.C. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Lord. I'll go right there. And what if I went to Washington, D.C. and preached, and President Biden and Kamala, Kamala, Kamala Ms. Harris, and, <laughs> and 535 legislators, uh, what if they all got saved, Billy? What, what if they, what, man, I'm telling you, what if all Washington, D.C. became believers? I'm going to tell you, I'd be jumping up and down. I would be thrilled to death. I'd be calling on my preacher friends and say, we had a, somewhere between 100,000 and 500,000 get saved in our service of Sunday. It was amazing. It was amazing. What a day. But Jonah said, I knew this would happen. In fact, God, it's your fault I wanted to go to Tarshish. That's what he's saying. It's your fault. I want. I knew you were gracious. I knew you were merciful. I knew you were slow to anger. I knew you were of great kindness. I knew you would change your mind about destroying Nineveh. I knew all of that. So, so tell you what, just kill me now. I'm so finished. I, I get a picture of him sucking his thumb at this point. <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought of that. What a spiritual giant. My goodness. And here's causes me to say that it is a dangerous thing when what pleases God displeases us. It is a dangerous thing when what pleases God displeases us, and vice versa. It's a dangerous thing also when what displeases God pleases us. And that's where our pet sins come in. You see, if you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you're not a sinner anymore. It doesn't mean you, there are sins that you don't love anymore, because there are. You know what your sins are. You know, you know what they are. You know the things that God, as you read the Word of God, it, 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 it kind of cuts to the quick, because that's in your life. It's present in your life. I know that I have that. You want to know what it is? I ain't telling you. <laughs> but we all have those things, and, and when that gratification from that sin pleases us and it displeases God, that's a dangerous place to be. And Jonah was angry. 
Maybe, maybe he was a strong nationalist. I don't know. Maybe he just loved Israel so much that he couldn't stand for anybody else. Again. This was Israel's enemy, so he didn't want them to prosper, right? So maybe that's part of the explanation. If Assyria had been destroyed, maybe, or Nineveh had been destroyed in Assyria, maybe then Israel would have repented because they were still uh, in idolatry. They were still not obeying God. Uh, or perhaps Jonah was concerned about his prophet's credentials. Well, I preached they were going to be destroyed, and guess what? The whole blooming city got saved. If that isn't something, I don't know what is. Whatever the reason, there's an interesting play on words in verse 1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry. Now, that reads nice. We understand it in the English. But according to, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar at all, but I, in doing some research, I found out that, that the play on words in verse 1 it literally says in Hebrew, it was evil to Jonah with great evil. It was evil to Jonah with great evil. Now, the significant thing about that is that's exactly how God described Nineveh. <laughs> so here's the prophet of God guilty of the same intensity, if I can say that, of sin that, uh, that Nineveh was, was guilty of. And I, I'll remind you, I won't go into it again, but Nineveh was a very wicked, very idolatrous, very brutal, violent uh, place in, in Assyria. So, uh, so here, the same description applies to Jonah that applied to Nineveh because he was so wroth. He was so angry. In verse 2, uh, we find Jonah's selfishness and, and, and short-sightedness. Uh, the words I or my uh, appear nine different times in the original. And Jonah winds up in verse 2 complaining about the compassionate, loving nature of God. Jonah, remember where you were before you got to Nineveh? Remember how you were praying for the compassionate, loving nature of God to deliver you? It indicates that while Jonah had become obedient, he still lacked a, a spirit of submission to God's will. You know, we can obey without having the right kind of spirit. Did you know that? We can obey and think that everything's hunky-dory. But if we are obeying and don't have an attitude and a spirit of submission to God's will, whatever it is, then we're, we're in trouble. The conclusion of Jonah's second prayer was this. Uh, while it was commendable for Jonah to have prayed, it stands in contrast to his first prayer for out of the belly of the great fish where he was praying for deliverance. And he says, uh, because he was saying, my life was ebbing away. He, but here he prays differently. He, he fled from the Lord in chapter 1 only to lament being banished from the Lord in chapter 2. In chapter 2, he praised God for saving his life, only to pray in chapter 4 that God would take his life. Like, kind of like Elijah's prayer when Jezebel got after him, right? He got underneath the juniper tree and said, just kill me now, Lord. I'm the only one left. There's nobody else faithful to you, nobody else alive that's preaching the gospel. And God told him there were 7,000 people who hadn't bent, bent the knee to Baal. Jonah's got a problem, folks. Jonah's got a problem right here. Now, here's, here's God's reply to, to this, to this uh, God, just go ahead and kill me. I, I knew you were a compassionate God. Everything's, everything's shot now. Just kill me. But God, the Lord rather replied, have you any right to be angry? Have you any right? Jonah, what, on the basis of what right do you have to be angry? So instead of rebuke, Jonah is answered with a rhetorical question because the obvious answer is no, you, you have no reason to be angry with God. 
Instead of sending a lightning bolt in Jonah's direction, God replies with a soft answer. Have you any right to be? Jonah's was not a righteous anger. There is a righteous anger that Jesus displayed when he was driving the money changers out of the temple because they were making a merchandise of, of God's temple. And, and they were exhorting people and charging incredible fees and, and just their hearts were not right. But Jonah's was not a righteous anger. So point number three, Jonah's answer to God's question. So instead of God answering it, he, he gives him a question. And then verse five, Jonah went out in the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there he made a booth. Now, this, this booth is interesting. This booth was, remember the, the feast of the booths that Israel would celebrate every year? And they would go out, they would cut down branches, and they would make lean-tos, and they would get, uh, they would get under these booths, and they would, they would live out there for several days because uh, that was to be a, in remembrance of the time they were in the wilderness when they didn't have any permanent housing at all. So here he goes out, and he, he may be remembering that, says, I think I'll construct a little booth because he's in a very arid, hot country. So he made a booth, a tabernacle, and he sat under the shadow until he might see what would become of the city. So here's his his answer. Jonah says, God, just kill me. I'm I'm through living. Just kill me. Uh, God says, do you have any reason really to be angry? And Jonah says, I'm going to go camping. I'm going to go camping. You know, camping's always been the enemy of the church, it seems like. (laughs) When are you going to camp? Well, we're going to go on Saturday to Sunday. Wait a minute. On Sunday? That's church day, right? That's before live streaming and all that kind of stuff. Anyhow, he goes camping. He built a booth of branches and leaves. He pulled out a lawn chair. He got his canteen out. He sat down to see what God was going to do. And I think I know what he was hoping for. Because God had said to tell them if they didn't repent within 40 days, they were going to be destroyed. So I think he's out there. He's got a calendar, and he's crossing off. Yeah, days. Man, I hope. Man, I hope. It, I hope God changes his mind again. I hope we get to number forty, and he just lets light fire from heaven fall and consume these heathen. That was his answer to God's question. Well, God doesn't let it sit that way. He gets busy creating again. So the Bible says he prepared a gourd. Uh, in verse six, the Lord God prepared. Uh, and that's the same word that he used when he prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. So he prepared now a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief, literally to deliver him from his evil. Because in this land, temperatures could be 110 degrees or even more. So uh, God prepared a gourd. And this vine grew up and became a welcome supplemental shade to his little booth that he made because uh, the, the commentators say that that booth that he made out of leaves and branches probably withered and dried up in no time at all. So, so there he is. Uh, he, he's, he got this gourd up now, and now he's got a little shade, a little bit more. And so Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. A little while ago, he was exceeding angry. Now he's exceeding glad. Oh, thank you, God, for this gourd. This is wonderful. Uh, so, so Jonah's rejoicing over a vine with great rejoicing. He's not just happy. He's delirious here. This is incredible. This is wonderful. The miraculous growth of the vine uh, caused Jonah to experience an emotion that is otherwise unrecorded in the book. And for the first time, Jonah's happy. Do you realize that? For the first time in the whole book, he's happy because he got a weed growing up. He's got some leaves sheltering him. 
He didn't experience this when, his, when he was delivered from death. He didn't experience this when uh, the, the whole city was spared. But now there's a plant, and he's all excited. My wife loves plants. Now, I don't have anything against plants, but she, she's like, he loves plants. We're always buying plants. Sometimes they make it. Sometimes they don't. But we're buying plants, right? You love plants. Yeah, right. I'll talk about that later. Okay, now. Then God prepared something else. Same word, prepared. God prepared a worm. Okay, here's a special worm comes on the scene, crawls up the vine, starts munching on the leaves. Okay, get the picture? And it killed the plant. Uh, God prepared a worm, verse 7, when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. So having prepared the vine, as he prepared the great fish, now he prepares a worm. And just as the, the, the gourd and the plant made Jonah happy, and the fish was sent to rescue him. God uses a lowly worm to drive home his intended message. But God wasn't through yet. So now the plant died that was protecting him. Now the sun's coming through again. It's, it's sunburning him, and he's, he's hot. And, and, and then God prepared a strong east wind from the desert. Kind of like our Santa Annas, right? When, when the westerly winds come, you know, it's just it's wonderful. The breeze off the ocean is amazing. In Coronado, it's like you don't really have to have air conditioning because we get the breeze from the ocean. Yeah, not all the time, but something, yeah. But every once in a while, it comes from the east, right? And it comes from the, guess what's inland about 30 miles? The desert, 35, 40, 45 miles. The desert. So it blows that hot air out. And, and it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, and he fainted. This time he faints. He passes out. Heat exhaustion. Heat stroke. I don't know what. And, and he wished in himself to die. He says, better for me to die than to live. So Now, this is called Santa Ana's here. It's called Sirocco's um, there. And, it's, and it, it causes the temperature to rise dramatically and the humidity to drop to just about nothing. And, and it was so, uh, so tuagent, translates it succinctly as a scorcher. It was a scorcher wind. So now this pleasant person called Jonah, again, is wanting to die. He was without shade and he fainted. And so he says, God, just kill me. Now, first, point number five. God reasons with Jonah. He asks the same question, really. He says, is your anger a good thing, Jonah? That's basically what he's saying. Then God said to Jonah, dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And Jonah this time answers him. He says, I do well to be angry even unto death. I'm going to die mad. You know people like that? They're angry when they get up in the morning. They're angry when they go to work. They're angry when they get to work. They're angry when they go to lunch. They're angry when they come home. They're angry. I mean, just, just, just you know, one, I always ask for volunteers for different things. I say, just one, one qualifying condition, you can't be a mean person. Can't be an angry person. We don't, don't, want, don't want any angry greeters out there uh, or, or whatever. I don't want any angry leadership team members. So here he is. He's angry to death. The first time God asked this question, there was no audible answer. But this time he said, I'm so mad I could die. God says, you love that little gourd. You love that 
plant that lasted just a few hours, and it came up through no effort of wrong. You didn't even plant the gourd. I caused it to, to grow up there. Uh, and you, you love that little plant. You love the leaves. You love the shade. And you don't care for the 120,000 people, not to mention their cattle. And some commentators said it was 120,000 people who didn't know from their left hand or right hand. And I, I'd never heard this before, but they said that may have been just children, who, you know, youngsters. So it could have been 500,000, 600,000 people altogether. I don't know. If it's 120,000, that's a good bunch of people. And, and God's saying, you care about this dumb plant, but you don't care about the souls of 120,000 people. Now, folks, what right do we have to demand that God should favor us and do things for us, but not for others? What, what right do we think we have that we should be the only ones to receive the mercies and grace of, of Almighty God. Then said the Lord, You have pity, compassion on the gourd, for which you have not labored, neither did you make it grow, which came up in the night and perished in a night. Should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand people who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also many cattle? God's response here is forceful. He's using the em emphatic you. And, and Jonah's deep concern had been expressed on behalf of a relatively insignificant port, portion of God's creation, this crazy little vine, while God's deep concern was expressed on behalf of the highest creation, human beings. Human beings did not evolve. Human beings were not lower animal forms. Human beings were created specifically by Almighty God. He breathed into their nostrils and they, be they became living souls. We are not animals. We are God's highest creation. There's nothing to be, there's no pride in it for us. It's just that's what God created. God made that. He made all the vegetation. He made all the beasts of the field. He made all the fish in the sea. He made all the birds in the air. And then he made man and woman and created us in his image. He didn't create the animals in his image. He didn't create the fish and the birds in his image, but he created us in his image. And here God's saying, you don't care about people. You care about yourself. You care about your comfort. That may be our sin as Americans in 2021. We care about our comfort. We want our cable and our internet to work. We want, our, we want a nice car. We want a nice house. We want nice clothes to wear. We want, we want the temperature to be perfect here. Pretty much is. I mean, really. You just got back from Yuma, right? It was like 180 or whatever. <laughs> 117. That's why I said 180, whatever. <laughs> and we get so self-absorbed that heaven forbid our electricity should go out and we have to sit in a house where it's actually 78 degrees. Oh, we're so persecuted. 78 degrees. I think there's some sweat right here. And meanwhile, there are people all around us who are dying without hope, without help, without Christ. God help us to be concerned about the things that God is concerned about. Jonah 
indifferent to the fate of God's creation beyond the bounds of his own nation, Israel. While God's wish for all people is not destruction, but salvation. I'm just going to say this. It might get me in trouble. That's okay. I've been in trouble before. I'll be in trouble again. I believe absolutely in the sovereignty of God, but I do not believe God elects to send anybody to hell. I think, I think when a person determines to reject, I think God so constructed it that he gives us the opportunity to either accept him or reject him. And if we accept him, then we become part of the family of God. And we're elected according to the foreknowledge of God, not according to just his whim. One irony of this short book is that although destruction is a recurring theme of the book of Jonah, the only destruction that occurs in the whole book, check it out, is the vine. That's the only thing. Well, maybe Jonah's clothes might have got kind of messed up. There's, there's that possibility when he's in the wheel's belly. But, uh, but the only destruction here was this vine. So destruction came not upon Nineveh, but on something that had become very important to Jonah, something that brought him great joy. We do well to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And God hates our sins, doesn't he? He hates the sins of his own people. You remember when he was preaching to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and and he talked about woe unto you. You remember that? He talks about hypocrites, those who profess faith, who live for themselves and not for him. God help us to rejoice when heaven rejoices and mourn when heaven mourns. And God help us not to run from the will of God, but to run to God's perfect will. Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would reveal to each one of your children here this morning maybe a blind spot that we have. We think of Jonah and how ridiculous it is that he he was so concerned about this volunteer plant. And yet, Lord, it may be that in our own lives we have the very similar type things things that are of no consequence, things that won't mean anything in eternity. They'll be gone for and lost forever. But they're so very important to us when the things that are important to you are not so important to us. God, reveal to us. Show us what we need to do. Show us how we need to change. Show us how we need to become more like Christ. Help us to love the things that you love and hate the things that you hate. Help us to love people enough to give them the message that God loves them and Jesus died for them and that he's coming back one of these days and we need to be ready. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? This is where we have the praise team sing a couple of verses of invitation and we ask you if God's dealing with you about something specific that you would like to come forward and have prayer about or you would like to come and receive Christ as your personal Savior or you'd like to come and be baptized or join the church or repent of something, whatever it is that God's leading you to do as they lead us in song. You sing along, but come ahead right now and take care of the business that God would have you take care of.
just a moment. We're going to sing one last verse. And whatever you need to do, would you do it on this verse? Wait. Don't wait until the middle or the end of the verse. Come on the very first verse. Do what God is wanting you to do. But we're going to pick up the pace a little bit on that, the tempo. Just a little bit, okay? And as we sing this last verse, just for you, come on right now and do what God would have you to do. watching at home, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're here in person, thank you for being here. Be friendly on the way out in just a moment. Let me pray for you. Father, would you give us a great rest of the Lord's day? God, may we put you first. May we think about loving the things that you love and hating the things that you hate. May we be not a Jonah, but may we be someone who would love people and love God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. Uh, could we go ahead and cut the live stream, Nick, right now? Just a minute. There's something I want to tell everybody. Okay, are we good? Okay. Uh, I just want everybody to know, as of about three weeks ago, uh, I'm officially one of the Coronado 